Good morning, everyone. If you'll please stand and worship together with us. skilled to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. I only know at His right hand stands one who is my Savior. I take Him at His word and Christ died to save me, this I read, and in my heart I find a need of Him to be my Savior, that He would leave His place on high, and come for sinful man to die. So once did I Before I knew my Savior My Savior loves, my Savior lives My Savior's always there for me My God he was, my God he is My God is always gonna be My Savior loves, my Savior lives My Savior's always there for me My God he was, my God he is my God is always gonna be. Yes, living, dying, let me bring my strength, my solace from this spring. That He who lives to be my King once died to be my Savior. That he would leave his place all high and come for sinful man to die. You count his strength, so once did I. Before I knew my Savior, my Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me, and my God, he was. My God, He is. My God is always gonna be. My Savior loves. My Savior lives. My Savior's always there for me. And my God, He was. My God, He is. My God is always gonna be. My Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. 
My God, He was, my God, He is, my God is always gonna be. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior is always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God is always gonna be. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior is always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God is always gonna be. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior is always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God is always gonna be. I am not skilled to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. I only know at His right hand stands one who is my Savior. Amen. You are good. You are good when there's nothing good in me. You are love, you are love on display for all to see. You are light, you are light when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sin. You are peace, you are peace, when my fear is crippling. You are true, you are true, even in my wandering. You are joy, you are joy, you're the reason that I sing. You are life, you are life, in you death has lost its sting. No, I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the
Praise the Lord. Absolutely. 1 John chapter 4, verse 14 says, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. We have a Savior, amen? And His name is Jesus. Would you take a moment and welcome those around you? All right, well, good morning. If you will please return to your seats, you may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. We're so glad that you are here to worship with us. Uh, we're in this transition 
right, into summer, beginning of school. Some of you have already started school. Some of you will start this week or the next week, or some of you homeschool parents maybe in a month, um, however your schedule works. But so here we are. It's time for the, the school year in the fall, and so just so thankful for that. Um, thankful that you're here with us this morning. If this is your first time with us, welcome. Um, you are a visitor. We want to love on you well and serve you any way that we can. If this is your first time, there's a couple ways you can let us know that. One, there's a QR code in the bulletin that you can scan, fill out just a couple questions online, or there's a connection card out there in the foyer that you can um, fill out. So let me go over just a few announcements now. We'll go over a few others at the end of the service, but there are several ways this week that you can serve or you can give or you can just have an opportunity to love on people. One of those is tonight. Um, so at 5.30, uh, if you will come back here, kids, families come, we're gonna meet in the sanctuary at 5.30, and then we're gonna, we're gonna get organized, and then we're gonna go out and we're gonna pray for some of our schools. So we have nine schools that we're gonna target and focus on tonight. And so I'm hoping that we can have at least four groups um, it'd be great if we could have eight groups and you just went to one school, but at least four groups and you'll go to two schools and, and you'll pray um, for our schools and for our students. So that is tonight. Um, also on Saturday, we have a couple opportunities for you to serve. One um, is the sewing bags. So that, that announcement has been in the bulletin for several weeks. So if you're interested in that, um, please sign up, let them know. And then also you'll see here um, Saturday night, we have an opportunity for ladies to love on some of our girls who have turned 16 or are going to turn 16 this year. So please see um, that announcement. We also have NBC's Got Talent next Sunday night. So some of you, right, you have gifts and you have talents and you want to share those talents. You need to see Curtis, preferably probably by today, right? You would like to have that finalized, I'm sure. Yeah, please don't wait till next Sunday. Don't come in next Sunday and be like, hey, Curtis, I want to sing. Let him know today if you have not already um, done that. And so we want, we want you to be a part of that. And so we're going to do that um, next week. It says in the bulletin at 6 p.m., but that's not correct. It's actually 5 p.m., and I forgot to tell Kim to change that. We did it earlier last year, and it works because it usually sometimes goes longer than an hour. So we'll do it at 5, and then when it finishes, it'll finish, and it won't be as late um, when you get home. But it's a lot of fun, and we want you to be a part of that. All right, if you have your Bibles, if you will, um, you don't have to turn your Bibles there. It'll be on the screen. We're going to do praying the Scripture. Um, but we'll actually look at this verse, too, during the sermon. Um, as well. And so this is going to kind of prepare us, this verse that we're going to pray through for the message this morning. So it's Matthew 24, verse 44. And, and this, in essence, is what the parable that we're going to look at is about. And, and Jesus says these words, Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man, that is Jesus, is coming at an hour you do not expect. So I want you to take a moment I want you to think about those words and prepare your heart for the message, but also to spend a couple minutes in prayer. However the Lord prompts you to pray. Maybe you're not sure if you're ready, or maybe you're just going to pray, Lord, I want to be ready. Or maybe you have a family member that you know is an unbeliever and not ready, and maybe you just want to pray for them during this time. However the Lord prompts you, you pray, and then I will pray for us, and then we'll continue to worship together in song.
Father, this morning, most everyone in this room, maybe most people online, know what the Scriptures say. Scriptures clearly tell us, as we've just read, Father, you are sending your Son. He already came once, and at a time that we do not know, he will come again. Jesus, you are returning. Oh, Jesus, we groan and we long for you to come. We pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. What a glorious day that will be when our Jesus we shall see. For those of us who have put our faith in you and we have trusted in you and we have repented of our sins, oh, how glorious that day will be. But yet at the same time, as we will see in the parable, we know, Jesus, that when you come, as glorious as that will be for those of us who are in Christ, it will be equally as terrifying for those who are not in Christ. Jesus, when you come, it will be too late for them. So, Father, right now we pray. Lay that family member upon our hearts. Lay that co-worker upon our hearts. Who do we know that needs Jesus? Who do we need to share the gospel with? Who do we need to pray for? Father, who in this room is not ready? That Jesus, if you were to come right now, who in this room would hear these words, I do not know you? And oh God, by the time we say our final prayer, the final benediction this morning, my prayer is that there is no one in this room who would hear those words from Jesus, I do not know you. But all of us would know you because we are known by you. So Father, speak. Speak through me this morning in a powerful way. Those who are not here that may watch this later, God, this message is for them as well. Speak to them. Move in this place, we pray. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand, let's continue to worship.
Amen. Thank you, choir. And Rebecca, a.k.a. Beckrecca. All right. If you have your Bibles, Matthew 25. Our kids are going to make their way to Children's Church at this time. Everybody else, if you'll turn to Matthew 25. Larry Norman is considered a pioneer for Christian rock music. And in 1969, he wrote a song called, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. Now, that song was written 10 years before I was born. But one of my favorite groups in the 90s growing up listening to Christian music was DC Talk. And I vividly remember watching DC Talk in concert and hearing them sing the song, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. And so I've got about a 40-second clip of them, and they're on stage with Larry Norman singing the second verse and then the chorus to the song, I wish we'd all been ready. So if you guys will play that. A man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill. One disappears and one's now standing still. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come, and you've been left behind. Jesus is coming again. And that song speaks to the necessity of your being ready. Now, here's the deal. Long before Larry Norman wrote about our being ready, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ spoke about his second coming. And he spoke about the need for us to be ready. So Matthew records this for us in Matthew 24 and 25. And so the context for our parable this morning, which we're going to be in Matthew 25, and we'll read that in just a few minutes. So the context for this parable in Matthew 25 comes out of what Jesus has already said in Matthew 24. And so the context there, if you have your Bibles in Matthew 24, is this. The, the disciples asked Jesus a question. They say, tell us, verse 3 of 24, tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they want to know, Jesus, when are you going to come? When is this going to take place? What's the signs going to be? Well, Jesus then begins to speak of the general time of his return. He provides for them signs, things that they can look to, but he does not tell them a specific time. Why? Because it's not for them to know. And he drives home this point multiple times before he tells the parable. And I want you to see this. So chapter 24, verse 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Verse 42. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. 
Verse 44, therefore you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And then verse 50, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know. So Jesus is teaching, emphasizing, I'm coming, you're not going to know when it is. And then on the heels of that, Jesus tells a parable. We haven't even read the parable yet. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you the point of the parable before we read it. And it'll be on the screen. Jesus' return will be sudden and unexpected, and they and we are to be ready and prepared when he returns. That's the point of the parable that we're about to unpack. Jesus is coming. You don't know when, so you better be ready. So if you have your Bibles... Matthew 25, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. This is the parable that Jesus tells. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like, notice that, he's talking about the kingdom again, what's it going to be like, and then he tells this parable. It will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. O oh God, we come. And over these next 25 to 30 minutes, O oh Father, we pray, there would be no distractions. Just your word, your spirit moving in this place mightily, and your hearers. Many who are children of the King, who your return for them is a day to look forward to, but a day that we also must be ready for. And for others in this room watching online, God, this is a day they are not ready for. So Spirit of God, draw them to yourself right now. Draw them to yourself now. So Jesus, when you come, they will be ready and can know the joy of eternity with you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Right off the bat in this parable, Jesus introduces us to the key players. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. You got ten virgins, you got a bridegroom. He mentions a marriage feast later on. So right off the bat, he's setting the stage for you. The context of this parable is a wedding. And so it's helpful for us to understand what did a typical Jewish wedding look like. Because there might be some similarities to what a wedding looks like today, but then there's a couple key differences that will help us understand what's taking place in this parable. So the first part to a Jewish wedding was the engagement. Right, we have an engagement today. Main difference is in the Jewish culture, that was an arranged marriage typically. So the groom's father, the bride's father came up with an arrangement, a contract, right? They, they were going to marry each other. So that was the first step. You had the engagement. Then the second step is the betrothal. Right, we talk about Mary and Joseph being betrothed. 
but they hadn't been together yet, right? Mary was a virgin, so what does that mean? Well, the betrothal was the official ceremony. This was the official marriage. Once you were betrothed, a divorce was the only way to, to get out of that marriage. You are legally married. The couple comes together. They make vows. They make a covenant. It's legit, just like our marriages. But here's a key difference. When we get married, we typically go off on a honeymoon, and then we begin to live together. Not in the Jewish culture. What would happen is, after the marriage vows were made, the marriage was not consummated. They would not begin to live together. Typically what would happen, up to a year sometimes, is the, the groom would leave his bride, would go back to his home to build a home, prepare the land, demonstrate to the family, hey, I can take care of her. And then after a period of time, possibly a year, then the groom would come for his bride. And that would lead to the third part of the ceremony, which would be the arrival of the groom and the feast that followed. Again, sometimes a year later. This is what Jesus is describing here in this parable. The bridegroom, after this period of time, has come for the bride. Typically, they would go to the parent's house. He would get the bride, maybe stay there sometimes a week, sometimes even longer. Then the bride and the groom would make their way to the new house, and people would line the streets with these torches, kind of paving the way. It'd be a feast, a festival, a celebration. They would get to the new groom's house, and they would have a party. Not a couple hours. Some of you have been to a reception, and you're like, okay, when are you going to cut the cake so I can go home? This was like a week-long celebration. Like You had to really commit to being there for this wedding celebration. And, and they would just have this festival party. Jesus is describing the third element of a wedding. The groom has returned for the bride. This parable is about the return of Christ. Jesus Christ came the first time to redeem us. He came, born of a virgin, lived a sinless, perfect life. He was beaten, arrested, crucified. He was killed. He was raised from the dead. He ascended to the right hand of God the Father. He did all of that to secure your salvation and mine, to forgive us of our sins, to pay, right, and to meet the wrath of God. That's what Jesus did the first time. And when he came, in essence, he betrothed us. He made a covenant, a new covenant in his blood that he would be our God, we would be his people, that he was going to prepare a place for us, but he would come back. Amen? And Jesus is coming again. In essence, this time to marry us. When he comes the second time, he's going to take you and me, and we're going to live with him forever and ever and ever. Somebody say amen. That's what he's describing. Jesus is coming so he sets the stage. We know there's this, this wedding going on and all this stuff. And then he begins to explain what's taking place. Verse 2. Five of them, this is talking about the ten virgins, right? Unmarried girls who were virgins. You can see them as bridesmaids, if you will, if you want to think about it. What would that look like in our, our culture? They were bridesmaids. They were part of the wedding party. Five of them were foolish. Five were wise. He wastes no time in beginning to explain what's taking place here. So you have ten young ladies. Five were wise, five were foolish. The Greek word there, we get the English word moron. They were foolish. So the question then becomes, well, what distinguishes them? What makes them wise or what makes them foolish? Verse 3. 
For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. So when the bridegroom returned for his bride, the wedding party, friends, family, these bridesmaids, right, they would line the streets in celebration. They would have torches. And if the bridegroom was to be delayed, they would have extra oil so that if the oil they had ran out, they could light their torch again. These ten women had come out to meet the bridegroom. Now you need to understand, when you talk about these ten virgins, these ten bridesmaids, they were very similar in a lot of ways. They had all been invited. They all responded positively. They all had gone out to wait. They all had lamps. They all had at least some oil to start. They all get tired and fall asleep. And they are all awakened at the midnight cry. Very similar. If you were just to walk up and look at them, you could not distinguish them one from the other. All very similar. Except there is one critical, vital difference. Five of them are prepared. And five are not. Look at verse 5. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Notice sleeping here is not what makes them foolish. The five wise are not condemned for sleeping. Sleeping is part of our normal routine. Everybody has to sleep. So I think what this is saying is they're going about their daily function. They all get tired. They fall asleep. The difference happens at the midnight cry. When they are awakened to the sound that the bridegroom is coming, it's at that moment we realize five were prepared in case the bridegroom was delayed, and five were not. They were not ready. Outwardly, you cannot distinguish these ten young ladies until the bridegroom shows up, and then we see the true reality. So if this parable is ultimately about the return of Christ then who do the bridesmaids represent? Now, we have to be careful when we interpret parables because we want to look for a meaning in everything, and that's not how you interpret a parable. Like we're gonna, In a minute, it's going to talk about how the five doesn't share. And we're like, what does that mean? Or, uh, or they were virgins. Well, what, what does that mean? Or the, the cry. What, and sometimes we try to overanalyze. But the bridesmaids do represent something or someone. So who do they represent? So the parable is about the return of Christ, and I think the bridesmaids, I'm going to explain this, I think they represent the church. I think they represent the visible church. I think they represent profess Christians, professing Christians. Let me explain. Every Sunday when we gather together, you have the outward church, and you have the inward church you have the visible church that which you can see and you have the invisible church the outward visible church is what you see so take a moment look around go ahead look around you see people right you see people who aren't here today who are maybe sick or traveling you don't see people maybe who've been here a couple times throughout the year but you see people physical bodies sitting here every Sunday at Northside in Ecuador churches gather 
people come together, that's the visible church. That's the outward church. But the inward invisible church is what you and I can't see. And that is who in this room actually has given their life to Jesus Christ. Who in this room is actually born again, saved, that when they die, they're going to heaven versus those that when they die will spend eternity in hell. We can't see that. So listen to me. Just because you are here or watching online doesn't mean you belong to Jesus. Just because you got baptized doesn't mean you belong to Jesus. A baptism is important. It's an act of obedience. But baptism is not what saves you. Just because you join a church and you're on the rolls and Miss Barbara sees your name because you filled out a card and said you were a believer, just because you join a church doesn't mean you are actually a believer that knows Jesus. To the naked eye, these ten bridesmaids look the same until the bridegroom shows up. J.C. Ryle writes, Of all these bridesmaids, all of them professed to have one object in view, but only five were truly wise. The rest were foolish. The visible church of Christ is in just the same condition. All of its members are baptized in the name of Christ but not all really hear his voice and follow him. All are called Christians. All profess to be of the Christian religion, but not all have the grace of the Spirit in their hearts and are really what they profess to be. We would say, everyone in this room, when Jesus shows up, we believe you're going to be with Jesus. But here's the deal. I don't really know your heart. Only you do. I don't know if you have ever come to the place where you've actually repented of your sins, confessed your sins, and taken hold of Jesus only to save you from your sins. But hear me, Jesus does know. He knows every single one of your hearts. And here's the thing, he's coming. He's coming. And look what it says in verse 6. But at midnight, there was a cry. When they least expected it, all of a sudden, while they're sleeping, there's a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Verse 7, Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the fullest said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for your Selves. What is the point of this parable? Jesus is coming for his bride. So here's the bridegroom. He shows up. The five who were wise, who had the extra oil, right? They relight their torches. They're ready to go. The five foolish women realize, oh my goodness, we're out. He's coming. We're not ready. Hey, you're wise. You've got extra oil. Will you share some with me? And they say, no, go buy some. We think, well, those are some selfish women. Like, you could not have been gracious and given them some oil. And so we try to read into the, what's that mean? Listen, that is not the point of the parable. They even say, if we give you our oil, we don't have enough. Hey, it's not our fault you weren't prepared. It's not our fault you weren't ready. But hey, why don't you go into town? By the way, it's midnight. 
don't know how many places were open at midnight to get some oil back then. They didn't have a Walmart, right? 24-hour Walmart. Where are you going to get oil? Go buy some oil. So that's what they do. We're out. We've got to get oil. And while they're gone, the bridegroom shows up. Let me make three observations. Number one, salvation and faith is not transferable. I think that's why Jesus adds the part about them asking them for the oil and they say, no, we can't give that to you. Because hear me, when Jesus shows up, it is appointed unto man to die once. And after that comes the what? Judgment. Every single one of us, you're going to stand before God. He's going to judge you. When you stand there, and if God asks that question that we often ask people, why should I allow you into the kingdom? Like, why should I save you? Why should you have eternal life with me? You cannot say, because my mom had incredible faith. Because her faith cannot be transferred to you. You cannot say, well, man, I had the best Sunday school teacher. She was incredible. Man, she knew the word, and she loved me and taught me. That's awesome. Thankful for wonderful Sunday school teachers. That doesn't save you. You can't say, but I went to with, with the church with a bunch of wonderful, loving people, and they had incredible faith, and it rubbed off on me. No, they could not give them the oil because salvation is not transferable. When you stand before Jesus, it is all about whether you personally trusted in Him. You have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You have to believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You must do that. No one else can stand there and get you in. I cannot drag you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. You must be ready. You must put your personal faith in Jesus. Second thing that we see is this. The Lord will come without warning. He's delayed. We don't know why he's delayed, but the bridegroom is delayed. They weren't prepared for the delay. You and I looking at the scriptures could think, man, Jesus, where are you? You're delayed. Why aren't you coming? He's not coming on our timing. He's coming at his timing. And so, so he's delayed. He's not been here yet. Our faith begins to waver. We begin to get caught up in the other things. But hear me, when Jesus comes, yes, there are signs, but it will be without warning. He's not going to send me a text message to say, hey, tell the church I'm coming on Tuesday. We're not going to know. He's coming without warning. But hear me, your death also is going to come without warning. There will be a few of you in this room that maybe will get cancer and they'll tell you you've got three months to live and you'll know it's coming. But for most of us, it will be sudden, without warning, unexpected. And when that day comes, are you ready to meet Jesus? So while I was studying this sermon on Thursday, and Miss Kelsey actually just walked out, is when I got the text message about Kelsey's mom, Miss Carol. Carol was fine when she woke up Thursday morning. Was on her way to Lowe's. Things can change quickly. Very, very quickly. And there was a point on Thursday morning, Thursday early afternoon, that we just were not sure whether that was Carol's last day. Now, in God's grace and in His goodness, 
Right? He's been watching over her, caring for her. And she's getting better day by day, step by step, and we continue to pray for her. Um, and she is a strong woman. She's going to fight. We know that. And so we're continuing to pray for Miss Carol. But it was a reminder, just because you woke up today doesn't mean you're going to fall asleep tonight on your pillow. doesn't mean you're waking up tomorrow. Death will come unexpectedly. So whenever it comes, you better be ready. And then the third thing is this. Please hear me. Once Jesus comes, it's too late. Once he comes, it's too late. Look at verse 10. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. Look at these words. And the door was shut. You notice the finality of those words? The door was shut. As I read that, I cannot help but think back to the Old Testament to think of Noah and the ark. Noah didn't build that boat overnight. Noah was warning for a long time the rain was coming. Out there building and hammering and working and rain's coming, rain, you need to repent. And nothing. His family, the animals, they get on the boat and the scripture tells us, right, the Lord shuts the door. Can you imagine the panic when the rain began to fall from the sky? Noah didn't close that door. The Lord did. And there was no opening it. Because if you weren't on the boat before the rain came, it was too late. These women come back from their oil. They come to the door. They begin to knock. Let us in. Let us in. But the door is shut. So hear me. The door is shut. When Christ comes, it's too late. That door of opportunity for salvation is now closed. Once Jesus comes or once you die, the door is closed. And it is closed because it keeps unbelievers out. Those who refuse to believe in Jesus, it is too late for you. An eternal separation from God in hell because you did not believe and trust while you had breath. But I think there's another reason it's shut, and that is to keep believers secure for all eternity. Amen? If that door could just keep opening and closing, maybe you could find your way out and wind up in hell. But if you have believed in Jesus, you are promised for all eternity, you will be with him. The door is shut. So hear me. If you don't know Jesus, what are you waiting for? Because grace is available now. It may not be available in five minutes or in one minute. It's yours now. Don't delay. Don't put it off. Don't wait. You give your life to Jesus now. Because if you don't, look what he says verse 11 and 12 afterward the other virgins came also saying lord lord open to us open to us lord and what does it say but he answered truly i say to you i do not know you watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour he says i do not know you i do not recognize you you do not belong to me or my people. 
Those words remind us of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I read this quote this week. Man, it just hit me and it burdened me and it's been on my mind and my heart all week. It's a quote from, from John Piper. He says this, These are terrifying words at the end of the age when Jesus comes back. I never knew you. Think about how terrifying that is. For Jesus to say to you, I never knew you. You were part of the church, one of the ten virgins. You were not part of the world. You had lamps. You had religion. You had form, but you took no care for what was inside. You carried the lamp. You kept it shiny. Others looked at you and assumed you had life, faith, inner reality, just like these five virgins. And all you had was an empty lamp. And now you are about to face one who sees right through your lamp and says, truly I say to you, I do not know you. You don't want to hear those words. Many will. But you don't have to. Listen, hear me. Every single one of you maybe has got a lamp today. You're here. You're at church. But God sees right through all that. And He knows whether or not what really is inside of you is life that the Spirit has given you or whether it's all external because you just want to look good or you want to be religious or you think you can save yourself. So let me close this way. If you don't know Him, then trust in Jesus today. Trust in Him right now. Don't be deceived. Don't be like millions who think they are safe. Don't be like the millions you talk to them who will say, man, I said a prayer. I made a decision years ago when I was 10 years old. Just because you say a prayer doesn't mean anything if there's no fruit of eternal life of the Spirit of God in you. Don't be like those who are putting their faith in religious practice or in their parents' faith or those who have trusted in the idea of going to heaven and not going to hell, but who never actually trusted in Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Don't be like the millions who will think on that day they're good, but they will hear the words, I never knew. And if you do know Jesus, and he knows you, and that's what 2 Timothy 2.19 says. It says, the Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows those who are his. If you know Jesus and he knows you, then take comfort, brothers and sisters, because Jesus is coming for his bride. Amen? He's coming for his bride. So be prepared. Be ready. Be spiritually awake. Examine your hearts. Be alive. Be focused on Jesus. Be filled and surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Jesus came the first time. He will come a second time to me and to all who believe in him. It makes all the difference whether you are inside or outside that door. It made all the difference 
whether you were inside the ark or outside the ark. And it makes all the difference whether you are in Christ or outside of Christ. Your eternity depends upon whether you know Jesus or not. Do you know him? And if you do, then rejoice. Because even in a world of chaos, we know Jesus is coming. And if you don't know him, then give your life to him right now. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Look, some messages are geared for believers, Christians. Some texts, some stories, some messages are more geared for unbelievers. I feel like the, the message this morning, man, it is geared for anyone here, anyone watching online, that you would say, look, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm born again. I don't know if I've ever given my life to Jesus. Or maybe you would outright say, no, I've rejected Jesus. been rejecting him for years. Jesus is coming. And I want for nothing more than for you to be ready. To know that you have eternal life with Jesus. To hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And to not hear the words, I never knew you. But hear me. I can't make that decision for you. Your spouse can't make that decision for you. Your kids can't make that decision for you. You have to make it. So right now, will you make it? Will you just right where you are in your heart cry out, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. I deserve to hear the words, I never knew you. But God, you sent Jesus. And grace is available to me now. So Jesus, right now, I repent. I confess my sins. The sins that should have condemned me and sent me to hell. Right now I'm confessing them to you. And I'm crying out, Jesus, will you save a wretch sinner like me? You are Lord. You are Savior. You are who you said you are. I've been denying that, but now I confess it. You have done what you've said you've done. You died for me. You were raised for me. And eternal life is found only in you. Jesus, I'm coming to you. Save me. You cry out. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Bible says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You'll be saved right now if you did that, but you must call. And for those of us who are believers, the world can beat us up sometimes. It's becoming a more difficult place to live. But there's encouragement in this message for you too. And that is Jesus is coming. He's coming. You are 30 minutes closer to the return of Christ than you were when I started preaching. So do not lose heart. He's coming for you, for me, so be ready. Father, we pray, come Lord Jesus. As we sing right now, God, as we sing about your love, as we sing about this amazing grace that has delivered us, that has removed the chains from us, oh God, there is eternal life to be had right now. There is hope to be found right now. So may we turn to you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm at the front. The altar is open. If you need to come, kneel and pray. You respond as the Spirit of God moves in your life. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me I once was lost, but now I'm found Was blind, but 
Unending love. 
Amen. You, you can be seated for a few minutes. Just got a couple of things you want to go over before we uh, end our time together. So you'll notice in your bulletin we have deacon elections. That is today and, and next week. Some of you voted this morning before Sunday school. So what you'll do if you are a member of the church, you can vote one time. Right? Don't try to stuff the ballot box. One time. You can vote over here in the fellowship hall. So they've got a roster and um, you can either vote with a tablet or you can actually do it yourself manually if you would like. Um, and so that's in the fellowship hall. That'll be open for probably 15 to 20 minutes. So if you want to vote, just go ahead and get in line um, so you can do that. Um, the other thing we want to do, it's been in the newsletter once or twice. It's only been in the bulletin one other time, but it's in the bulletin now. So here's what I need you to do. If you haven't already done this, I need you to take out your phone. Go ahead. If you have a phone, take it out. It's the announcement about the Remind. So we have Realm. We send out information through Realm, but that comes through email form, and not everybody is checking their email multiple times a day. So if there's, a, if there's an announcement, an urgent prayer request, a change of schedule, whatever, the quickest way to get you that notification is through a text message. So what I need you to do is open up your texting, your little text thing, start you a new message, and you are going to text to, and the number is in the bulletin, 81010. And I know who does this. Right now, if you do this, I'm going to get a message. So-and-so, join Remind. So I don't know who really is believers in here. I mean, I can see your fruit, but I do know who's on Remind. That I do know. So 81010, and the message you're going to send is the at sign NBC family. That's all you do. You don't have to have the app. If you want to get the app, that's fine. You don't have to have it. It's just a text message. It comes to you. Um, there you go. Somebody just joined. There we go. A couple people are going. Izzy just joined. I won't call anybody else, uh, but I'm, they're coming. Keep doing it. While you're doing that, um, so let me just update you. I mentioned her um, in the sermon uh, on Miss Carol. Uh, so one thing that you have the opportunity to do, this is something Miss Barbara Heastan uh, shared with me this morning, is she has a, a quilt, she's calling a friendship quilt, that she wants to give to Miss Carol when Miss Carol comes home from the hospital. And so that's going to be in the fellowship hall, so you can go in there and just sign your name to it, uh, just a reminder to be praying for her. Um, and so Kelsey had just texted Ryan, Carol is actually getting a CT scan right now. They're just going in, a routine thing, just checking the fluid level, the blood, checking on the coils. Um, and so we're going to pray right now that that CT scan will come back, look really good. They'll be very pleased with that. Um, you are allowed to go visit Miss Carol. It was shocking to me and Kelsey both. We couldn't believe when we got there. They're allowing two people in at a time, but it doesn't have to be the same two people during the day. So if you have some time in the next couple days, the plan was at least a week, seven days, could be longer. Possibly we don't know that yet, but so she'll still be there uh, for a good portion of this week. So if you have some time and you want to go visit with her, pray with her, um, I know that would mean a lot to her. Um, and so if, if you would like to sign that, that's also in the fellowship hall. Uh, let me pray uh, right now for Miss Carol. Um, and then when I'm done, Gary's going to come and he'll have a benediction uh, for us. But we just want to have a time of prayer uh, for Miss Carol. Father, we... Um, we just thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for this time that we can gather. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your goodness and your kindness. And God, we've seen that this past week uh, with how you have just watched over and how you have been uh, with Miss Carol. Um, Lord, I know that 
that as word began to get out, as Kelsey began to share a message on Facebook, I think every single one of us was, was deeply concerned. Um, Lord, we, we love Miss Carol. We, we all tease her. We give her a hard time. I've said multiple times, uh, there's nobody else like Miss Carol. She's one of a kind. And yet, God, I truly believe nobody in this church loves me and my family as much as her. She has expressed that to us multiple times, how kind she has been. And, and so, God, I know it's been a roller coaster for many of us, and there was a rough period of time there. But, God, you have just in everything been so good and kind, and people have moved quickly, and doctors and nurses and hospitals have just done an incredible job. And, Lord, we know that there's still a ways to go. So right now our prayer is that as they go in and they do this CT scan, God, that what they will find is the way it should be. Somebody who's getting better, who's in the process of being healed, they will not find anything that is alarming or concerning. And Lord, Kelsey has shared this on Facebook. God, these next couple weeks and days are very, very critical for her. So God, we pray. We know she's high risk for strokes. We pray, God, in your grace that you would keep all of that away that she would come home, that she would make a full recovery, and, Lord, that you would just continue to do a great work in her life and in her family's life. Um, we pray for Tim. We pray for Kelsey, Charles, uh, other family and friends. Um, God, things can turn quickly. So as we talked about this morning, we've got to be ready. And so, Father, we just lift her up and we pray for her. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand, Gary's going to do our benediction for us. Chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us a kingdom, a priest to his God. And Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And all God's people said, Amen.